This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, what I can tell you is we are joined by a spitfire by the name of Jeff Fenster. Since earning his JD from Thomas Jefferson School of Law, Jeff Fenster has proven himself as an entrepreneurial innovator. As a serial entrepreneur, Jeff has been recognized nationally for his business creations ranging from a QSR chain, payroll and HR company, digital marketing agency and construction company, amongst others. In addition, Jeff was named a top 100 entrepreneur in America under the age of 35 by Impact, named a top 40 executive under 40 by the Business Journal, and was also recently a finalist for CEO of the year in 2019. Combining his two biggest passions, entrepreneurship and healthy living, Jeff created the foundation Everbowl, which has been built on his personal philosophy of making friends and having fun, which have not only translated into a fun, vibrant culture at Everbowl, but also became the company's true heartbeat. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you today? I am doing amazing, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I am such a huge fan of yours and your show and really excited to be here today. Well, thank you. It's such an honor and what a great way to kick off the new year. So happy new year to you, your business, your loved ones. And I would be remiss if I didn't publicly give a a shout out of gratitude to our mutual friend, Dave Meltzer, who connected us and thought you would be prime guest for the show. So I couldn't be more grateful to him. Yes, me as well. Thank you, Dave. And and obviously happy new year to you as well, Lisa and, and Dave. And I'm, I'm truly, I'm truly grateful to be here as well. Well, I just want to dive right in. I, I, I go right in deep, fast. Uh, I try to maximize our time here because I know your gift is, uh, the gift of your time is, is very precious here. So I just want to say some things that I have noted about you that is truly, truly impressive, which really lends true to the success and the succession of your ongoing business and thriving is, you know, since the inception of Everbowl, which launched in 2016, October 2016, so the latter part of 2016, you're currently at 437 employees. You have 22 store locations that are now open uh, and you're just going like gangbusters. So let's talk about the inception of the journey that dates back to your mom's kitchen. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So my mom's kitchen was actually um, 2007. That was, that was my payroll business. Um, And really kind of funny how the entrepreneurial journey started. Um, it, I never had any plan to be an entrepreneur. Um, I never planned on starting my own companies. Um, I always had a vision originally of actually being a sports agent and went to law school to be a sports agent and had a job lined up um, to, to go into that field and really thought that's what I was going to be doing with my life. And, and what really turned on a dime when I came to the realization that that's not what I wanted after I graduated law school, um, even before I actually started the career. So I was kind of lost with not sure what I was going to do. And got a job at ADP, the payroll company, uh, really just to start making some money, paying back law school debt. I had a fiance and a little, little daughter and I was 20, 
uh, I was 24 years old and had to kind of figure things out. And so um, was working for ADP and was extremely successful there. Top sales rep in the country, first to make President's Club, uh, made a boatload of money and, and was one of the top top reps, you know, there there were. And as a result of that, two things happened. Number one, I gained self-confidence. But number two, I also built a pretty big ego, which uh, kind of got in my way. <laughs> and, it happens. Um, <laughs> it does, especially early success when you're young. Um, and part of my part of my compensation was a $17,000 bonus that, that I had earned. And I went to my boss in January of 2007, um, I believe it was 2007, and said, listen, I've earned a $17,000 bonus. I'd like to get it. And they said, sure, at the end of the fiscal year, which was June of that year. And so I'd get it the third week of July. And my ego got in my way. And I said, listen, I'm not waiting six months for it. I have law school debt. I have a fiance. I just bought a house. Literally, we had just moved into my brand new house. And I was getting married. And I had a little baby. And I was like, listen, I earned it. Give me the 17000 and I'll keep selling. And they said, that's not how fiscal years work. And this is a big company. And you just need to understand that these are annualized goals. And I wasn't listening. I wasn't hearing it. And I got into a, a basically a pissing match with them over it. And <laughs> somehow, uh, you know, it's one of those moments where you have those, the, you don't really under, realize what you're saying until after you say it, but I threatened to quit if they didn't give it to me in a meeting. And um, they said, no, we're not giving it to you. And so my ego made me quit. And so I literally went home that night, told my fiance, I'm going to quit my job. That's paying me very well and paid for this house. And Oh, by the way, we're going to move, we're going to sell the house. We're going to move into my mom and dad's house with, with our little daughter. And um, I'm going to start my own payroll company. And I don't know anything about how to run payroll or run my own business, but that's what I'm going to do. And uh, fortunately she was very supportive. Uh, we were, <laughs> she was my fiance at the time. So um, she was head over heels in love with me. And <laughs> Lucky for you that that was the case because a lot of people <laughs> that would have been a game changer. See you later. Goodbye. <laughs> Correct. Correct. But, but that really made me realize that, that my wife, she was my soulmate, that we were meant yes. for each other because she was so supportive of, she's like, listen, whatever, whatever you think you need to do, I support you. And so literally I quit the very next day. We moved out of my house and moved into my mom and dad's house with my, my fiance and my daughter. And, um, I started my own payroll company out of my mom's kitchen with a friend of mine, literally the very next day. And that was my launch into entrepreneurship and kind of doing it. And it's kind of weird now to look back and realize I did all that because I had too big of an ego. And if I could go back and tell myself, I really shouldn't have said that. And uh, I mean, I, I should, because that's who I am, but I shouldn't have uh, allowed my ego to make decisions as, as big as they did back then. So um, that was really how it all began in my mom's kitchen. Amazing. Well, I'm actually going to challenge you on that because, you know, and, and we're going to dive deep into this again, because there's a lot of things that you say that are very synergistically aligned with me and are very much resonating with entrepreneurs in this space. And so had your ego at that particular juncture in your career not interfered, taken over, was the predominant thought and it blew up in your face, but you wouldn't be where you are today. And can you imagine your life not being exactly as it is currently speaking? <laughs> Truly, right? So, 100%. Absolutely. And so I know you oftentimes talk about failure too, and you might look upon that or regard that or characterize that as a pivotal defining failure. But what you did differently that, that speaks volumes to me is a lot of people get uh, submerged in the whole victimology. You know, people can't get out from underneath the rock of, okay, there's a lesson here. I just have to figure out what the lesson is. I've got to pivot. I've got to do things differently and I've got to make it work for me. And when people like you elect to make it work for you, what, what in essence you're doing is you're taking your gift, you're taking your craft, you're taking your skill set, you're taking your products and your services and you're paying it forward and you're being of service to the collective, thereby not only helping yourself initially, first and foremost, but you've set the stage and the platform for being able to get to, to anchor other people up as well. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think, I think ultimately the victim mindset is such a debilitating one and I've never had it. Um, so I don't, I can't put myself in that mindset to understand the why that is such a, you know, uh, a, has such a strong hold on so many people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cause I really looked at it as, what is so special about the job I have? And in my head, like if I look back, it was really when I went through whatever mind exercise I did in that moment. Yeah. My ego wrote a check that, that I was now going to have to cash, which was like, I threatened to quit. And now I'm going to do it because I didn't have the, the ego. My ego wouldn't let me walk back in the next day with my tail tucked between my legs. I just, <laughs> I, I, it just wasn't going to happen. 
Uh, yeah, but but realistically, I realized, you know what? ADP has competitors and ADP didn't make me successful there. I was successful there and I my skills translate to their competitors. So if I went and started my own company and it didn't work out, well, Paychex is ADP's number two. You know, it's the second biggest payroll company in the world. And I'm sure if I walked into their their office with my resume and said I was the number one sales rep at ADP, I started my own and it didn't work out because I don't know how to run a business, but I'm ready to come back and sell for you they would hire me or one of the hundreds of other payroll companies that are out there that are nowhere near that size that is always looking for talent. And so un- people just get caught up in, they can't lose this one opportunity or this one company, not realizing that unless mm-hmm. you're a Facebook or a, a Google or a unicorn in your space where there really isn't a true secondary competitor that is exactly the same. Most mm-hmm. people work in a field where there's so many competitors that you can now go to that learning that skill set of, of starting your own thing, if that's what you really want to do, and, and you're just holding back because your your fear of, I can't get a job as good as this, that that shouldn't be there. Like that should not be something that's holding you back. It should be for other reasons why you may or may not move forward, but not because you have this one job, unless it is your, your, your dream job, in which case you're not even considering leaving. Bingo, bingo. Well, I wholeheartedly subscribe to that whole ideology and philosophy. And I think, too, what really characterizes and underscores the fact that you are a true, true entrepreneurial, because it is oftentimes a buzzword and people like to have their name attached to what the flavor of the month is. But tr- <laughs> uh, clearly your track record speaks for itself. Um, but, you know, entrepreneur, you know, you have to have that multifaceted out of the box, bigger picture, you know, you've got to be staunchly committed to leveling up, leveraging and and really taking a look at what's in your arsenal. So for you to have very quickly in a short, finite period of time and call it desperation. And I think that's what really separates people on the hierarchy scale of, you know, people who are just kind of like ebbing and flowing throughout the whatever. And we all ebb and flow as entrepreneurs. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you stepped into it, you know, you thought, okay, desperation, I've got a mortgage, I've got a new fiance, I'm the provider here, I've got to get going. And so without wasting any precious time, which entrepreneurs do not do, fundamentally speaking, you thought, okay, let's take a look at the competition, let's look at the options, let's look at the contingency plan, let's look at what I've already honed in terms of my skill set, and how can I make this work for me, now moving on from the instance of of, you know, getting, letting, walking out your ego, all of that having initially gotten in your way. Um, so that speaks to me in terms of your innovation, your creativity, being able to think very quickly on your feet, which you know we have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, sink absolutely. or swim. Every day it's sink <laughs> or swim. Um, so let's talk, let's talk it more specifically about Everball. And I, I love how it's premised on the fact that it's derived out of things that have been around forever. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the four excuses for uh, why people don't eat healthily and also what your five core values are. Sure, absolutely. So Everbowl, uh, it, was, it was 2016 and um, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. And what that means is I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of illness and disease. And Google is uh, my best friend and my worst enemy because yeah. <laughs> you, Google, <laughs> you Google something and you have the worst of it or it's nothing and you get to decide which, which article you want to read. Um, so as a result of that, though, I, I really wanted to understand, especially in a country like United States of America, which is a first world, you know, world leader in so many areas, why we're not leading the world in health and, and wellness, why we're not, you know, people are inundated with what we'll call lifestyle diseases, heart disease, stroke, cancers, obesity. And there's such a high percentage of this that is not genetic. It is, it is self-inflicted based on lifestyle habits. And, and being that we're such an educated country and we have so many resources, why are we making these choices? And so, you know, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur, but I, this is besides uh, my family, you know, in business, health and wellness is my next biggest passion. And so I wanted to combine them and really do something that could leave a, a positive mark on society and help mm-hmm. people. And so I wanted to understand why are we eating poorly? Um, and why aren't we moving our bodies and exercising? And so I, you know, I used some, uh, you know, analysis, I Googled, I talked to people, I started to investigate over the years, why people aren't choosing to eat healthy, and why the fast food industry is so bad for us. And 3.6 meals a week by the average American is a fast food restaurant. And so what is the what is the what is the big difference? What is going on here? And how can we change it? How can we move it to a positive side and going forward. And 
I came up with four excuses. I, I mean, there was a lot of them, but I narrowed them all down. They all fit into one of these four buckets as to why we choose to eat unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And they are, it either costs too much to eat, or it's perception, but we either perceive that it costs too much to eat healthy. It either doesn't taste good. It doesn't leave you full. Like I want a salad, but I'm still hungry. So I'm going to eat that greasy fried blank or I can't get it. I have an hour or 30 minutes for lunch. This is the center near my, my office. This is what my choices are. This is what I have to eat. So if you realize that those are the four excuses we make, and I can provide someone something that's affordable, filling, delicious, and accessible, they'll choose that over the unhealthy option almost every single time. Mm-hmm. And so taking those four excuses, I reverse engineered what we were going to offer at Everable to answer those four things. So we made one flat price for unlimited toppings. So I knew that, and the price was equal to what the average lunch was at other fast food chains for a burger, fries, and a drink, a sandwich, chips, and a drink. Uh, I won't go through them all, but if you go take what those were, when we opened, we were $8 all in, and that was about the price for, for one of those meals. So we knew that that was affordable for the average consumer. The next one was to make a bigger portion than any of our competitors. So we knew you were going to leave full and satisfied. And then the third one was to let you pick unlimited toppings and you choose what goes inside. So you know what you like. I'm not going to tell you what you like. And with a a vast array of toppings, you were going to find something that it was exactly what you were looking for and you would enjoy it. And then we had to open a lot of stores because I needed them to be everywhere, kind of like what you see with the subways and, and those other chains that are pretty much on every street corner. So you know that they're accessible for the average consumer in, in, you know, in our market. So that was kind of our four challenges. That was the, the pillars that we were like, okay, this is what our business is going to focus on, solving these four excuses every single day. And we're not going to do anything else but pivot, uh, anything else and pivot away from these four things. And so the first three, the food, the accessibility, the affordability, and the taste, we had solved. The last one was we had to open a lot of stores. And, um, you know, this is a common mistake I see with entrepreneurs. And, and, and it kind of goes into the word. And I think, as you mentioned, it's kind of a buzzword today. And I mm-hmm. like to take a moment and really dive into the word entrepreneur. And I'm going to pivot from, from this just to talk about this for a second. Sure, um, please do. It's kind, of, it's kind of like being a doctor. The word entrepreneur. When I started mm-hmm. my first company, entrepreneur was a bad word. Everyone's like, you're going to fail. This is not sexy. Don't do that. Now it's become this sexy buzzword and everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. And I'm going to challenge everyone to take a moment and understand that the word entrepreneur is too broad and you really need to dig into what kind of an entrepreneur you are. And just like saying you're a doctor, I don't go to a podiatrist for heart surgery and I don't go to a heart surgeon to have my skin looked at. There's different kinds of entrepreneurs. And when you understand exactly what kind you are, you not only can align yourself with the right company and the right people to support you, but you also have a better, better clarity as to what your gifts are and how you're going to move forward. So I'm a serial or startup entrepreneur. That's the kind of entrepreneur I am. I start mm-hmm. companies. I'm a visionary. I like to get them from zero to something. I like to solve my business problems with more startups. That's what I do. I am not a guy who you would hire to come into a startup three years in that's doing $10 million a year and you want to take it to $200 million. That's not the kind of entrepreneur I am. That's not the kind of CEO that I am. There's somebody else for that job. Also, not all entrepreneurs have to actually start the company. Entrepreneur is, is a startup environment where the rules aren't there for you. You don't have a playbook that's being dictated to you. You're really navigating and and blazing your own trail. So Mm. my COO, my CFO, they're both entrepreneurial minded and they're both entrepreneurs in their own right. They're just not the one who starts the company, but they are the number two, number three, number four in startup environments. They are entrepreneurs too. And so they understand that that's their gift is to align themselves with a visionary who's going to start the company, but they're going to create disruptive, Optim- and optimize our processes and procedures on our operations and our financial side to make us disruptive and create these that, from nothing. So in, in their own right, they are entrepreneurs too. And so um, I say all this because I think it's an important topic that needs to be discussed more. And especially for aspiring entrepreneurs, define and understand what kind of entrepreneur you are and then surround yourself with other entrepreneurs that fill in your gaps so you have a dream team and that will allow your business and your enterprise to thrive. And so I say that, to now go back to the fourth one, which was accessibility. Um, we had to build a lot of stores and construction was very expensive and I don't know anything about construction. And so I was looking at the landscape and saying, well, if I'm going to build a lot of stores and it's costing me way too much money to build stores, why don't I just start my own construction company that builds everything? <laughs> of course. Why not? <laughs> right. So yeah. I'm a, that's what I do. So, so I use a concept called vertical integration of multiple startups to solve my business problems. And, 
I recognize that my gift is I'm good at starting companies. I'm good at taking an idea and turning it into something tangible and then attracting the right people to it to help have it grow and thrive. And so we launched a company called We Build. It's actually called We Build Stuff, um, but We Build Everbulls. And the whole mission and premise behind uh, We Build was to build Everbulls cheaper and faster than we could do it with anyone else. And that was all we were focused on doing. I didn't need to make a huge profit from it. It was solving my business problem and allowing Everbowl to become more dangerous in its own field because now I didn't have to pay a markup on anything construction related because I didn't have to make money on it. I just had to cover my expenses to build Everbowl. So the cost of opening an Everbowl outlet dropped significantly, over 100% reduction in cost. And then, and then because I controlled the enterprise and all they did was build Everbowls, there wasn't any other job standing in the way. So timing was all hands on deck. We're building Everbowls as fast as humanly possible. And that allowed us to open, and we have 24 open, uh, 24 open in our first 36 months. Um, in 2018, we opened 14 stores, one every single month and two in June and July, just to prove to ourselves and we build that we could do it. Um, and that's set us up now for the foundation where we can now build Everbowl so inexpensively um, that I can now achieve that fourth pillar, that fourth issue, which was accessibility. If we enter a market, like in San Diego, where we started, we have 15 stores. I can know that I can go open 15 to 20 stores very quickly and with, for a lot less money and really achieve my goal, which was making Everbowl available to everyone everywhere. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but uh, I believe in my researching of you that when this whole notion of the construction and knowing that you were going to be endeavoring to open up one store after another and doing it in succession, uh, you were working with $20,000. Is that <laughs> correct? And, and so you were looking at the viability of how much can I stretch that 20000 without things eating unnecessary cost, right? Uh, kind of. Yeah. So uh, the goal was, could we build a store for 20,000? That, that was it. our goal. Um, our goal, we, we set out to do that and said, can we do it? Um, it? It's a little bit more than 20. So we weren't quite perfect there because it was a, it was a, it was a kind of a milestone goal. Um, mm -hmm. But we're very close and we're continuously moved towards that goal to say, you know, construction is an interesting world. Now I still, I mean, I, I can't even put together Legos, let alone do anything <laughs> with construction. <laughs> I'm like the least handy human being. Um, but what I'm learning of being around such amazing people who understand this space is that construction is really expensive because there's a lot of peaks and valleys and there's a lot of times when there's no jobs. So mm -hmm. a construction outfit has to charge enough to cover for downtime when they don't have work. And so that's what makes a lot of jobs expensive. And so because we didn't have that need, that the cost of materials is just not that expensive. And then Finding good labor, I mean, that's always hard to do, of course, but when you have good talent, if you pay them well, I'm paying them anyway. So their cost is baked in. So I can amortize their expense over more stores. The more stores we build, the cheaper the cost becomes. And so those were the kind of the things that we were doing. And if we're going to start it, we didn't want to start it like everyone else. So we really wanted to take more of an Ikea approach of could we build a store in a box? Mm-hmm and really make it and, and fabricate it offsite and turn it to something where we ship it to our location and one or two people can install a store very quickly. And that, and that's been achieved. And, and, you know, um, Eric Hansen, our chief operating officer, he's the mastermind behind we built, but he really came up with that. You know, I challenged him with my problem and I said, this is my goals. This is what I want to solve. Can you please help me solve it? And he took that, that challenge head on and um, his brilliance has, is, kind of allowed us and created the ability for WeBuild. And, you know, what's amazing, and this is why I love what I do, is you never know what happens once you start. Everyone has a plan, but in reality, the plan is never what ends up happening. And so we launched WeBuild to open up Everbowl, but because we've done such an amazing job, we're now getting job offers and bids and requests for bids from so many other companies that are saying, hey, can you build us this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And we just partnered with a company, uh, a charity called Model Citizen Fund and Dan Fleischman to build give and take closets that they wanted to put in churches, mosques, and synagogues all across the country. And the idea was to, again, to have a, a simple to build give and take closet that allows, you know, the homeless to, to take and, and the community to give. And so if you need something, you can put it there or you can take. And if you want to give blankets, socks, water, clothing, toys for, for underprivileged kids, you put it in this, in this charity box, in this closet. And then if you're in need, you can come and take it. And it's a great community centerpiece for, 
churches, synagogues, and mosques all throughout the country. And so it's an amazing charity, Model Citizen Fund, and it was something we were we were excited to get behind and work with. And so now WeBuild is starting to outsource itself into third-party stuff. And so WeBuild is now building other stuff other than Everbulls, which was never the original plan. But because we went forward, because we took that first step and we opened WeBuild and we started down that path, it now has that capability. And so um, it's been an exciting it's been an exciting offshoot of, of Everbull and what we've been doing. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, you've clearly thought about everything and for the things that you couldn't have envisioned needing to know, it seems to have aligned with you. So congratulations on all of that. So I just want to play devil's advocate and dissect a little bit. So when we go back to the four excuses for why people don't eat healthily and we go back to number one that you cited specifically in terms of money and people's perception or misperception that things cost too much. So if we translate that into price differentials or cost analysis with price comparables of say, uh, I don't know if I can say this, um, like a happy meal or whatever the case may be at uh, a leading fast food restaurant versus your product at Everbowl. Now, when we're talking about social economic status, we're not just talking about people who have like, you know, there's been a, a downcline in the economy and people were perhaps middle class, upper class, then they go down where they might still have access to technology or they have a sense of awareness. But if you look at people from the monetarily standpoint in terms of, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of education or maybe because it, it all with all walks of life, wherever we sit on the hierarchy of all of that, we don't know what we don't know. So for people whose day to day rituals uh, or uh, daily practices would only encapsulate, you know, going to where the cheapest thing is, regardless of the fact that it's not necessarily healthy. How would people who perhaps don't have access to technology or people who are living in shelters or people who are homeless or whatever the case may be, how does your product connect with the collective regardless of all of the socioeconomic status? Well, that's a good, I mean, that, that's a very good and deep question. Um, unfortunately, the answer is it doesn't entirely, but we're working towards it. So our plan of, of offering stuff that's been around forever is kind of our first forefront into that and to show people that by eating healthy, you actually, it, it's almost like, and, and unfortunately without the education, I can't tell this to everyone. Um, but if you don't make that investment, even if it, you think it costs you a little bit more today to eat healthy, then you're actually, it's costing you more from the disease that you're going to be plagued with later, which is going to prevent you from making money and working and thriving. Um, but also the other challenge is just in society, unfortunately, especially in the United States, healthy food is not subsidized by the government like unhealthy food is. So the ability for a fast food chain to offer a, a, a hamburger for a dollar is because the meat industry has a lot of subsidies that have been able to make that offering, which exotic superfoods just don't have. Um, mm -hmm. re regardless of that aspect, there's nothing I can do about that. I'm not leading the charge to try to fight the government on changing the subsidies and not competing with different industries. Um, but what we try to do is we try to educate in a very easy to go manner. So when we open a store, we give away free food. My goal Beautiful. is to get the entire community to come try it. So our first day of every single store we've ever opened, we give away free food. There's a line around the block, come in, it's all free. You get to try it. We want you to experience it. We want you to understand that when you eat this food, your body knows how to process it. And so our bigger why at Everbowl, which we didn't really get into yet, but I'll, I'll, I'll lead into yes, it now. Yes, please do. Yep. The why is a word we created and trademarked, and it's a lifestyle that I'm trying to promote. And it simply is the word unevolved. And it didn't exist. It wasn't in the dictionary. So we, we trademarked it and, and created the word unevolved singular and defined it to move and eat the way you were meant to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. So it just simply means you're going to move your body and eat real food. And when we say real food, that could be a, a hamburger. That could be a salad, that could be a, uh, but any real piece of food that is not man-made or woman-made or laboratory created, simple and easy. So if it was from nature and you eat it, your body knows how to process it. Whether you're a paleo or a vegan or a pescatarian, whatever your choice is, I'm not getting into, just eat real food. No mm -hmm. yellow five, no chemicals, no laboratory created this, no added ingredients, just nature created or nature made products is what mm -hmm. your body knows how to use. And the analogy I'll give you is you care more about your car than your body because I've never seen ever in my entire life, I've never seen someone put anything but gasoline in their gas tank. And if I tried to put a scoop of yellow five or sugar in anyone's gas tank, they'd beat me up or call the police. But we put it in our body 
every single day, not realizing that our body doesn't know what to do with it. Mm. Our bodies are made to handle nature. That's what we're, we know how to use. Like if you eat a salad or you eat a, a, a piece of fish or you eat a piece of fruit or you eat a nut or a seed, your body knows exactly what to do with every ingredient that mm-hmm. you've just ingested. But when you start introducing laboratory created food and, and man and woman made foods, all of a sudden your body doesn't know what to do. It's a foreign, it's a foreign invader in you and inflammation starts to happen and, and it gets trapped in your this and it happens this and it, and there's a whole bunch to it that without getting into the, the nitty gritty science creates inflammation and disease. And that's where the form, the forefront of, of all of those bad things start to happen. So that's the eating side of unevolve. And then the movement side is what we get behind and it's fuel for movement, live actively, take the stairs. If it's three flights or less, simple, easy thing that everybody can do without feeling like they're exercising. But I saw this crazy stat in, in a men's health uh, magazine years ago that if the average American just took the stairs instead of the elevator and escalator for three flights or less, on average, they would lose four to six Eight. pounds a year. That's right. I remember, I remember hearing you say that. I was quite fascinated by that. That's pretty shocking, actually. Yeah. Shocking. Well, it is because the average, we, we go through so many escalators and elevators on a daily basis that just those under three flights, if it's, if it's four flights, take, take the electronic version if you're, not, if you're not feeling comfortable taking the stairs. But finding ways to exercise without exercising mm. is one of the secrets to living an active lifestyle. If you don't have time to go to the gym or you're not ready to make that regimen change, mm-hmm. trick your body and trick yourself into finding other ways. Stand when you watch TV during commercials. You're watching TV? Stand during the three-minute commercials. Just don't sit for three minutes. That's mm-hmm. it. Stand at your desk for a few minutes. Walk to your neighbor's house instead of driving. Park a little further from the grocery store. Make a game of it and say, I'm going to park the furthest spot away from the grocery store or the, or the shopping mall or whatever it is that you're going and walk those extra 15 steps. You do that every, one day, it won't, nothing will happen. But you do that every single day and 15 steps a day times 365 days really starts to add up. Absolutely. And that's the little life hacks that I don't think enough people start to realize. They look at this huge, huge mountain in front of them, wherever they are, whether it's starting a business or getting healthy, and they go, how am I going to conquer this? The true answer is one step at a time. And, you know, some of the secrets that, that I've learned and been trained by my mentors like Dave Meltzer and others that I now use and, and now I regurgitate and share my own version of are these little life hacks that if you start to implement them, all of a sudden positive things happen. Like I don't get to go to the gym as much as I used to. I'm a father of two. I'm running a bunch of businesses. So I have to find ways to stay active through my Mm -hmm. daily life. So I do, I park further away from stores. When I go, I take the uh, stairs three flights or less. I choose to stand when I'm watching TV with my daughter during commercials or even the whole show. I have a stand up desk instead of a sitting desk and these little micro workouts that I, Mm -hmm. that I do add up over the year to a whole lot. And you know, there's another thing that I do. I wake up early and I spend the first two hours of every day learning something new. Right now I'm learning Photoshop just because I don't know it and I think it'd be fun to learn. But what it gets me is from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., I do this every day. Every week I get 10 hours. 10 yes. hours a day. I'm getting an entire day a week. I, I have a six-day work week to everyone else's five. And yes. Yeah, it's a micro-sacrifice. Yes, I have to wake up at 4 a.m. and maybe that's not for you. So do it from 10 p.m. to midnight. Find two hours a day to mm-hmm. invest in yourself. And over the course of one week, that's 10 hours, right? Mm-hmm. So it just starts to continuously, continuously um, add up to where it's 10 hours a week. It's 520 hours a year. It's 21 days a year. I almost get an entire another month a yes. year that no one else gets because I'm micro goaling what I'm doing. Well, this is why I love the fact that I'm interviewing you right now, because there's a lot of things that you're saying that truly resonate with me, as will be the case with the listening audience and eventually the podcast subscribers. But I talk about that quite regularly and consistently. It used to be, you know, the old adage of there's never enough hours in a day. Then it became for me based on my level of busyness and choosing to scale and and level up. It was okay that there's not enough days in the week. So in my lifetime and perhaps forever going forward, there will never be an eighth day created on the chronological calendar. So I thought, how can I invent that for myself? Because for me to continually embark upon my lofty goals and always being a visionary myself, I need to find more time or I'm going to be exceeding my bandwidth all the time. And that's going to be a problem in the business world. So like you, 
no different than you, Jeff. I thought, okay, if I get up at four o'clock every single morning and I do work seven days a week, then before my children even get up or before everybody else is available in which to, you know, get back on the email or get on the phone or whatever, I've already accomplished so much in every single given day. You multiply that by seven days, you multiply that by X amount of days in a month times a year. Um, it's there. It's there for the taking if you choose to elect to make those decisions and sacrifices. And by sacrifices, I see it more as a gain, right? I don't see That's it right. as a sacrifice. I see it as a gain because it, it's intuitively sound for me to access all possible options that are available at my fingertips. I just have to exercise the due diligence and the self-discipline to to hone that and to harness that and make that work for me every single day. And I think that's the difference between when you look at people like yourself and for where you sit from when you launched in October 2016 to now where you're at with 22 locations and 437 employees, you've got to you've got to think like that. You've got to think you've got to find your solutions. You've got to be committed to the solution, not the problem. That's right. That's right. And, and ignore the problem. I mean, ignore it in the sense that the problem is just the reasons that are standing in the way. But yes. if you just take micro goals and micro uh, wins and micro progress and you start breaking it down to something that is, I mean, if I ask anyone, can you do something for four minutes today? Everyone has four minutes. Yes. Every single person has four minutes and four minutes will turn into five minutes, which will turn into 10 minutes, which will turn into 20 minutes. So if you can't wake up at 4 a.m. and you normally wake up at six, wake up at 5.56 and yes. spend four minutes reading something, just four minutes. Because mm -hmm. even four minutes, to your point, times 365 days a year, right, yep. is still going to be serious, serious uh, um, improvement. I mean, that's an entire day. Four minutes a day for a year is an entire extra day you've just found. One entire full day. You now have a 366-day calendar year. Bingo. Bingo. Love it. Well, and I love what you said for the, because this is very key for the listening audience. I mean, I'm always trying to really impress upon what it is my guest is saying for the benefit of the listening audience. So when you talk about micro steps, I think that's really important because if you, if you elect to do things incrementally, but you do them consistently, that's where you see eventually over a course of time, the big growth. That's where you see the small things uh, morph into the big things. But oftentimes people become immobilized by fear because they think if they're going to exercise any type of initiative or make any type of effort, it's got to be like gangbusters. And that's where people <laughs> set themselves up to fail or they don't ever get started. Um, so I really like that you incorporated micro steps and gave some really good ex illustrative examples of how people can incorporate that into their daily action taking. Uh, because it really is, you know, you, we can talk about manifestation, we can talk about visualization, we can talk about all of these things, which for some people are woo-woo, but you've got to exercise and it's got to be coupled with massive action because otherwise you're either standing still or life is passing you by and then you're continuously bitching about, well, how come everybody is doing better than me? Well, <laughs> you're the common denominator. Look in the mirror, figure it out, right? Or go get a Dave Meltzer. You know? <laughs> right. Right. No, exactly. And, and understand that we all started there, too. Like people who listen to you and, and now me and, and Dave and others that maybe uh, they perceive to have or be where they want to be. Just remember, we all didn't start here. Right. That's like right. I do. I do 4 a.m. I didn't always start it. It wasn't like one day I, I was sleeping till till eight in the morning. And I was like, you know, I'm gonna start waking up at 4 a.m. That's not what happened. No, I started with micro goals. I was like, you know what? I'm going to wake up 10 minutes earlier. I'm going to use the 10 minutes and I'm going to try to read. I was trying to read a book at that moment in my life. I wasn't reading and I was like, you know, and podcasts weren't even out yet. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going to just start to read a book. I'm going to read for 10 minutes a day. I'll never do it at the end of the day because my brain is going too many things. And life at that time was just too hectic. So I'm just, just 10 minutes. And I started mm -hmm. with a micro goal of 10 minutes and I did it for a while. And yes, I, I wasn't perfect. And some days I forgot the 10 minutes or I, I didn't chose not to do it, but I started to continuously build the habit. 10 minutes, one day became 15, became a half an hour, became an hour. And then all of a sudden it was like, it expanded. It was like, you know what? Now that I'm reading all the time, I want to learn something new. So I started to use Google and I, and, and YouTube, and I would start learning new skills. And mm -hmm. I've always wanted to learn before you earn and invest in myself. And the more education you have, even, forget traditional education. And, and it doesn't matter what you learn. It makes you more interested 
in other stuff, right? You learn, like I'm learning Photoshop, not because I'm a creative Photoshop expert, nor do I ever want to be, but I mm-hmm. recognize the power of content and how utilizing Photoshop and it could potentially allow me to create more content and work with people. And I'm always listening to people in conversations now or in business where they're talking about things. And there's been things that I just don't understand that they're talking about. So I have to sit there quietly, but I use that. I'm like, okay, next time I want to get involved in that conversation. I want to build my relationship capital. I want to be a thought leader if I can be, or at least be able to ask inquisitive questions to better inform myself of what's happening in the landscape. And so I'm investing, I'm learning more as as much as I can. And it's a common, it's a a phrase I I, I use all the time, which is learn before you earn. You want to, you want to earn money. You want to earn relationships. You want to do this stuff. You've got to invest in yourself. You've got to look in the mirror and recognize it starts with you. And if you don't realize how to do it, set a micro goal, something that is totally obtainable. And if you do four minutes a day this week, do five minutes the next week, mm-hmm. six minutes mm-hmm. the week after. And momentum breeds momentum and successes build more successes and the confidence behind it. And then you get into a habit. And once you've established the habit, it's really hard for someone to knock you off of it or life to knock you off of it. Well, and the thing is, too, we all have a choice as to what we choose to be addicted to. Some people choose to be addicted to pain and struggle and hardship and not saying that the world of entrepreneurship isn't all of that. Uh, But the difference is, too, once you get addicted to, to gains and momentum and success and growth and development, you want more of the yummy stuff because you've already had a taste of the, the crappy stuff. And who wants the crappy stuff? Right. right. And, and that's and, and that's a parallel to Everbowl as compared to the food industry of things that have been manufactured and, and produced in the laboratories. So it, it's, it's not just talking about the tangibility of your product as compared to other things, um, but it's also talking about the, the, the key concepts and the core principles of really endeavoring and embarking upon the yummy stuff. And once you touch upon the good flavors of what's out there, call it attitude, call it fortitude, call it resiliency, call it learning, call it mentoring, call it experience expansion there's no going back and it's the same thing mm-hmm. when you change your li- lifestyle for what you eat what you consume what you ingest um your body and you used a good parallel in terms of uh you know quite some time ago in our interview when you talked about you know people putting sugar in their vehicle as opposed to gasoline you know you need the fuel and more people are committed to the um the materialistic aspects of preserving their house, making sure that their house appreciates, not depreciates in value, that their vehicle, they get longevity out of the investment of their vehicle, uh, which means putting good gas in it, making sure you get your oil maintenance done. Well, none of those things matter if the vessel of your body and how you either treat it or mistreat it is either neglected or it's embraced, right? Like mm-hmm. people got to get their priorities straight. A hundred, I mean, you, I, yes. I couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely. And living an unevolved lifestyle and committing to saying you start with you, you know, you look in the mirror and we talk about, you want to improve your life. You want to do that. It starts with just you. If you don't right. eat well and you don't take care of your body, then you're going to feel lousy. If you feel lousy, you're going to perform lousy. If you perform lousy, you're going to get bad results in business, in relationships with, with friends and everything. And so it all parallels down to, if you take care of your body and you feel good, you're going to look good. And when you look good, you have confidence. When you have confidence, you perform good. And when you perform good, you're excited and you tackle more opportunities. And then you attract more opportunities and more good things happen. And that snowball can go one way or the other. Yes. And the easiest thing to change is the one that you control every day, which is if you move your body and what you put in your mouth. No one else tells you those two things. We mm-hmm. all completely control those. You might not get the job you want or the opportunity or the customer or the sale or the interview, or the meet the right person, but you choose what you eat, and you choose what you do physically, and if you commit to doing those two things, all of a sudden, you're going to feel better, and when you feel better, you're going to think better, and sleep better, and everything else goes from there. Absolutely. Well, it, it's, it goes without saying, and you know this for the world that you're immersed in and choose to be immersed in. It's an inside job. Everything is an inside job. So it's, it's, you know, it starts with how you look after your body, it, you know, exercising good choices, decision making. When you can take care of yourself, there's no coincidence to what shows up in your external world because it's all about energy right? So energy, Mm -hmm. food being a derivative of that, but it's also about the things that you align yourself with, the right people, the right opportunities do in fact show up when you start with the core principles of how do I take care of the gift of what I've been given? Call it my life, call it my body, call it whatever. And once you start to see that, respect that, cultivate that, nurture that, 
And then that become the domino effect for every other decision you make in terms of, you know, how do I hone my muscle uh, mindset? How do I hone uh, my lifestyle my time management, my, my relationships, my business, my everything. Then, then you get to a point where your standards are so raised and so high, you will not give yourself permission to default to a way that you know is counterintuitive or is 10 years behind the curve of where you now are. You just, you can't go back there without feeling physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally sick. That's right. And your confidence gets higher, which will give you the confidence to realize, you know what? Look what I, you look back six months from now and say, look what I accomplished physically. Look what I accomplished emotionally or mentally. Now I'm thinking about starting my own company or I'm thinking about doing this. I have the confidence to do it. I can do it, right? The I can or I can't, you're both right. So that's right. Henry Henry Ford has that, that amazing quote and they're both right. And you just need to learn how to say, I can do it. And when you realize that you have the power to say that at any moment, and you start to say that, the rest happens. Absolutely, it does. Because you're deliberate and you're intentional in your decision making and you don't give yourself permission to fall flat on your face when you've already proven to yourself time and time again how it can intuitively work for you on the other end of the spectrum. Where you sit on that spectrum when you've had a taste of both, the hardship, the struggle, the counterintuitiveness, or alternatively, conversely, the the good stuff, the stuff that's going to propel you forward in the trajectory of where it is you say you want to go. When you've dabbled in both arenas, it's a no-brainer. What you remain steadfast to. So what you also said, and being cognizant of time here, but what you've also said in my research of you, which I think is very brilliantly said, uh, I know some of it derives out of Tony Robbins too. I've read that and seen that in the YouTube video, but burn your boats. When you don't have a backup plan, you know, when you don't have a contingency plan, when you are so in the zone with what, with what you've decided to be completely all in, in your investment of time, energy, focus, and attention, uh, then you can't really fail. To my estimation, I mean, there's pockets of things that can go awry. There's areas where you have to reconfigure or recalibrate. Uh, I get that. But if you understand that there's nothing to default to, then you're putting all your eggs in the basket of what you've really crystallized as being completely purposeful, intentional, and important to what it is you want to do, correct? That's 100% right. And the burn your boats philosophy, really, I think we learn so much from, we can learn so much from kids. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyone who has kids, um, little, little children should reach, should actually should be professors. They, they should reteach us everything that we forgot. Because yes. kids learn to walk. They don't worry about the fact that they're going to fall. They get up, they fall, they get up, they fall, and then eventually they're walking. Yeah. Um, when I took my little daughter for swim lessons and she was a little toddler, first I was petrified, but the swim instructor literally threw her in the pool. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, babies instinctively know how to swim. Yes. And I'm like, what? And then when you get older, if you haven't swam, your brain tells you, you don't know how to swim and you panic and drown, but little toddlers swim. So my little toddler was swimming the very first time she ever touched the pool because instinctively toddlers know how to swim or little babies know how to swim. Yeah. And that burn the boat mentality is once you jump in the water, you have no choice but to swim. If you mm-hmm. have a boat right there, you're not going to swim. You're going to have, oh, you know what? I'm tired today. I'm going to hold on to this thing. Or mm-hmm. I don't need to do it. I'm, but if you just take the mindset of, you know what? I'm just jumping in and I will figure out what I'm going to do. And if I air quote drown, mm. well, in business, there's always a job waiting for you. The, the beauty is, and I'll, and I'll say this as, a, as someone who starts companies, I'm always looking to hire people. So mm-hmm. If you go out and start your own company, it doesn't work, call me and I'll hire you and you'll have a job again. So your backup plan is always someone out there has a job for you. That should not stand in the way of of pursuing your dream and being relentless towards it and burning the boats and saying, I'm not going to worry about a job. I'm going to go do what I'm meant to do or what Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about. And I'm going to put those things together. And that's the whole burn the boats mentality, which the backup plan is what derails too many people because that's clawing in their subconscious or their conscious on the tough days. It's very easy when things are going good to focus on on your goal. But what you need is something that's going to help you focus on your goals and continue to move forward when you don't feel like it or when trials and tribulations happen. And when you have a backup plan, that's when that shows up. And it doesn't show up when things are good. And so burning the boats makes it to where the bad days, you still go for the hill. You still swim. You still move towards your goal. And you figure out a new alternative. Absolutely. Well, it's like Tony Robbins says, you know, if you're going to take the island, you got to burn your fucking boats like you do. That's right. (laughs) Right. That's right. 
So being cognizant of time, uh, and we got to wrap up here, unfortunately, but you're always welcome to come back to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I've thoroughly enjoyed you, Jeff, and I, I think you're doing amazing things, and I'm very impressed by you. Uh, but I want to give you the opportunity. Where can people connect with you, either for additional speaking opportunities, for people to purchase Everbowl, uh, for people to invite you as a guest on their podcast, radio show? How can people connect with you? Absolutely. So uh, my, my Instagram is at Fenster Jeff as mm-hmm. well as LinkedIn and Facebook. My email is either jeff at everbowl.com or connect at jefffenster.com. Uh, the jefffenster.com website is under development right now, but it'll be live soon where um, we can obviously continue to, to communicate. And then um, the final thing is also that you can also reach me via um, uh, my cell phone, which um, I'm sure I can share with if it's okay sure. with you, Lisa. I'm happy I share, to share mine but everywhere. Uh, I'm, yeah, my information's everywhere. Sure. Yeah. So you can also text me. Text is always the best, but 858-472-3119. I'm happy to be a resource if I can help in any which way. Or if you have any ideas for me, I'm all ears. I love to learn and love to meet, you know, like-minded people and, and build amazing things. Brilliant. Well, I just want to thank you once again for the gift of your time. I want to thank you for everything that you're doing in the space. I want to thank you for your contributions in terms of ongoingly paying it forward and being of service to the collective. Uh, because nutrition, healthy living is so instrumental. It doesn't speak to a certain demographic. It speaks to all of us as human beings. We've got to take care of ourselves and for what you're doing to ensure the awareness, the activism and the educational piece and the products to, to support that initiative. I want to say thank you. You're on fire. You're doing great things, Jeff, and I applaud you with all of it. Uh, To the listening audience, I want to thank you once again for the gift of your time, for tuning into myself and my phenomenal guest of today, Jeff Fenster, on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I'm very exceptionally clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until we're rejoined here again with another phenomenal guest on my show next Friday, I want to wish you all my best. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. Take care. All my best. Love and gratitude. Bye-bye, friends. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero. Be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.